0: Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking.
1: Well, hello Tom. Hey, Russ. I just flew over
2: you. Oh, well, lots of that. I could do tell that.
1: because there were dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just don't tell the city about the dinosaurs in the backyard and we'll be okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, I just flew back from San Jose, San Jose, nice. Sunnyville, Sunnyville, whatever you say. Anyway, yeah, I was just out there for a two day team meeting and hung out with a few people I know here and there, but unfortunately not Rick. And by way of introduction, today we have Rick Graziani with us. Did I say that right, Rick? You did. Unbelievable. I know.
0: Good job. <laughs> And Rick is joining us from the park. From the park, yeah, from my backyard. Well, yeah, my screen, my background's my backyard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and and not too far from where you know where you were last week. I know. Next time. Next time. Yeah,
1: next time. Next time, I'll be back out in June, I think. And, All right. And maybe maybe in between. I don't know. Travel's starting to kick back up, so we'll see what happens. I should be in Vienna next week, but I'm not going. Because I'm still a little gun shy on international travel right this moment, just for reasons. Things are just not settled, they're not where they should be. So I'm doing Vienna IETF remotely. But if you happen to join into the IETF working groups, you can look for me in the Metich, Met, Meet Echo, Maticho, <laughs> however you say it, on the side, and we can chat. All right. So Today, we are talking about teaching networking in colleges and universities. And I think this is really interesting because, you know, I'm still looking for a college that's willing to take the risk to take a bunch of us on to build a four-year or even a master. Actually, it would be really cool would be to build a master's program in network engineering. And I can't find a college that's willing to take, you know. I'm sure there's ten or fifteen people around that would be willing to, to to work on such a thing, but I can't find a college that's willing to do it. So, so first of all, I guess Rick, you should tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Well, I uh, I live in the uh, Santa Cruz Monterey area, not too far from where you were Russ, last week in California, Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale, oh uh, yes. I've uh, been teaching at uh, Cabrillo Community College in Aftos, California, been there full-time since 1994. I'm an adjunct lecturer at the uh, University of California, Santa Cruz, been there for almost 10 years. I've also taught at some other California state universities part-time while I'm doing my, my full-time stuff. I um uh, I also work part-time for the Cisco Systems Network Academy team, been doing that for over 20 years, developing curriculum, that sort of thing. Write a few books now and then. We were just talking (laughs) before this about another possible book, but it has nothing to do with anything I teach. And previously, before getting into the high-paying world of public education, I worked at uh, Santa Cruz Operation and Tandem Computers, Lockheed, and... And was in the U.S. Coast Guard. So, so you
1: actually are a rocket scientist.
0: <laughs> you no. Know, so really quick here. I uh, did some, uh, had some meetings with, I got the hat here, the United States Space Force over the summer had some meetings with them. I kind of thought that was in for maybe getting a ride, you know, aboard a rocket. But, <laughs> but, but they did send me a hat. So
1: <laughs> it's the next best thing to being there. Just, just yeah. say I mean, yeah. what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you can at least tell people you were in space because you have the space hat.
0: I've got the hat. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got not a helmet though. So just a hat. Uh, it's okay.
1: Uh, you're not far from Disneyland. You could go there and steal one of their helmets from one of their rides. And then, you know, just paint NASA on it. Put the NASA logo from your cap on it and you're all good. So one of the things I noticed about IT, network engineering in particular, is that the only way in is via certifications or just experience. And it's not even really certifications any longer. It's just when somebody gets into this field, they face the very strong, how many years of experience do you have? And often asking for 10 years of experience on things that have only existed for five years uh, because nobody knows any better than that. Yeah, I was once interviewing for a job and somebody asked me, we're really looking for somebody with 20 years of experience on, on um, X-Base language. And I was like, that's funny because at that time, D-Base as a program had only been around for like five years. <laughs> I was like, you want pre-existent, pre-existent <laughs> experience on a product. That's really, really cool, man. Yeah. I like that. Or you always get the, the thing of, you don't have any experience, we're not going to hire you, but you can't ever get hired to get experience, right? Yeah. That seems like the, the typical thing. Yeah. So, so, so one of the ways that people get into fields is through college. But, you know, like,
0: what do we have here? Yeah, I mean, that's been kind of the challenge that I've been working with students at both, you know, in the community college worlds, the state system and the UC system for, for years. And it is, uh, you know, as you and I have talked about for, for many years, it's it's a challenge because, uh, you know, I think at the community college level, they do, do a really great job teaching a lot of you know, the kind of the typical IT courses, a lot of that is, you know, whether it's the Cisco Networking Academy, or, or virtualization, or cybersecurity, or whatever. But that only, you know, offers that, you know, really a two year degree, which does not transfer, except probably in some rare cases, I'm sure there are some universities, you know, you and I were talking kind of before this, the three of us were talking, but there are a few out there, but it's hard. You know, most of the four-year degree programs out there are centered around kind of the traditional computer science, computer engineering programs. And even your, inter, you know, your typical introduction to networking course, very different at a community college than what it would be at a, at a university. The, the course looks very different. It's, it's, it's they kind of, you know, it's exactly the same, only completely different.
2: So the the question I have, but not very many people I work with that I would consider peers. I actually came from a computer engineering, computer science background um, in networking. There there's a couple, but they're pretty rare. Like Russ was saying, mostly it's on the job training sort of thing. And, and there, and as you are aware, there are lots of people who have degrees in psychology and English and other things that are that are great network engineers. Is there a need for a curriculum that focuses on the outcome, like the job title of network engineering, or or is it just that computer, could computer science be a good enough way to prepare yourself? What are the, I mean, I have some opinions about this, but I, but I want to hear what you, what you have to say, Rick.
0: That's a great question. I, and I, I'm always asking myself that as, you know, am I been kind of working myself at something or trying to get something together that, you know, may not be needed? So I'm looking at kind of two groups of students that I, I deal with. The UC Santa Cruz students and by the way they're both great colleges and and UC uh, does and really does embrace the whole idea of not just being totally theoretical and that and you know bringing me on board to help kind of balance out the kind of you know implementing these complex systems and you know how they actually you know besides just purely the theory. But anyway, when it comes to internships, for example, a lot of internship programs out there for people interested in networking but they're real they're typically at least you know in my area in California they're looking for university students And the university student, my university students are great. You know, they have usually a very strong computer science, computer engineering background and probably less on the networking side. Well, definitely less on the networking side than I would say, you know, the typical community college student who's taken a lot more courses in that area. The computer science student will have kind of more of the algorithmic background and understanding, you you know, the math, the formulas, the you know, algorithms, you know, kind of that sort of thing. And, you know, that's kind of, the, the, they, they typically will get the interviews, not just for inter- internships, but it's easier for them to get interviewed, especially by large companies, than a community college student that is just has maybe a two-year degree. Although that, that community college student with a two-year degree has the skills and knowledge that they're looking for or That they can develop with, maybe in many cases better than the university student, but it's that four year degree in a, in a, from a university, computer science, computer engineering, that I think just, you know, still is that hook for a lot of companies. So
1: I think what you're talking about there to some degree is kind of a level of respect, right? We don't have degrees, so we don't have the same level of respect as somebody who's been through a CS program in the real world because we just don't have the four-year degree. I mean, we just don't. And, and beyond the four-year degree, there's no master's program. There's no PhD program. Very, very few PhD programs. Now, on the other side, the last time I talked to Doug Comer about this, he said he was struggling to get PhD students into his networking field. But again, where would they
0: come from? And what would they look like? Because, you know, there's, you know, when you look at physics or biology, chemistry, math, there's pretty much a clear path. Almost doesn't matter what school you go to, they're all very similar in the progression of courses that you're going to take and what each of those courses look like. But when it comes to networking, there's so many different layers to it and so many different approaches. I mean, you look at a typical book that is used in many universities, Kuros and Ross, as their introductory book. That The first chapter talks about socket programming. You, you contrast that with typical other introduction and networking courses like at a community college. You know, they're talking about what the network is, you know, introducing you to different models. It's it a little more slowly. You know, it's, it's, it's a very, very different.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually reading the topics from that book, and I see that what you're talking about, FSMs, which are important for a network engineer to know. A lot of people don't agree with that, but that that I think is true. TCP. Um, so things like flow control. Okay, again, possibly important. Routing protocol algorithms, again, very important. But this is all and and like even when you read Moy's book on OSPF or cannon bomb on networking or the other classics um, on networking. And I can't remember what all they are. Cause I don't have them in front of me right now. They're all coding books. They're all books on how to code these protocols. They're not books on how to design networks around these protocols and how to build things with these protocols. And, and I want to get to a secondary side effect of not having PhD students, <clears throat> a couple of secondary side effects The first is, if we have no PhD students, then we don't have a background. We don't have a path to the PhD student. We don't get really solid new research in networking the way that we should. So people complain about the slow pace of stuff. There's a lot of really good research going on in networking under Alicia Zhang and Nick Feemster and other people. But there's not this flood of students coming up who are interested in this field. So I think that's a bad thing for the networking industry overall. Another thing is, is that if you have a CS department, almost invariably, they will overlap with or cross-pollinate with an engineering department and an MBA program. So that somebody coming out of college with an MBA or above often has the option of taking a class in application development. Very high-level class. But it's nonetheless, they, help, they understand that side of the world. Because we don't have these four-year degrees in colleges, we don't get that cross-pollinization and the master's degrees. Therefore, MBAs come out of college and they don't know anything about infrastructure. It's a big black hole for them. They have no idea what we're talking about. It's totally opaque. And so their attitude is, I don't care how it works because I don't understand it. Just go make it work, and the fewer of you network
2: geeks I have to hire to make it work, the happier I am. Your point, Russ, about um, research not happening—that is really critical because someone's going to do research, and the person who's going to do it—if if, if students aren't doing it is vendors who stand to make a profit from the research. But but that will bet, that will put a box around what they are willing to invest in based on what they can do sometimes on this quarter. Um, but but it's never gonna have like the long-term, like looking to the future sort of effect that pure research would have. I think that's a big thing we're missing out on. Like there's a bigger picture that I think for-profit networking vendors just aren't able to, to comprehend.
0: I, I know at uh, UC Santa Cruz, you know, fortunately we have, have some people some of the professors here like uh, JJ Garcia, who uh, wrote the dual algorithm. And they have a, a very strong interest in, in networking, network engineering. And there's some really good research going on there. And I, it's, it's interesting because the, uh, the, the applications I get from for, for TAs, it's, uh, I look at the work they're doing and first off, they're all smarter than me. And I'm good I'm happy most of my students are smarter than me <laughs> I'm, I'm, i I accepted that years ago, but the difficulty is is that you know, although they know what is inside the box, they don't know uh what the box is doing. You know, you and I've talked about this before, but just asking somebody, you know you type in dub 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 dot. Amazon.com explained to me all the everything that happens for that those protocols to get encapsulated, the packet to get developed, all that, and then sent to the server and back. And you could not even include TLS in this. Just the the, the, and that's a hard thing for the kind of the, the students at the university level that have been doing these deep dive. I mean, they can tell me about all these different TCP congestion algorithms. And all this stuff, uh, which is fantastic, but kind of okay. That, that that tell me how the network actually works. How do all these pieces come together? And, and that's that's a big challenge. I, I do think we need both. But how we make those things fit is yeah.
2: I had a couple of like almost purely academic areas that I decided to dive into after getting to a certain level in network engineering. Uh, And I I just came to a point where I realized I need to understand the theory. Like I need to understand how um, Dijkstra works. Like I I need to, I I can't no longer hide behind commands. I gotta get it. Can you repeat
1: that about four times, Tom? Because I hear (laughs) so often that people say, I don't really need to
2: know how this works. I just need to know how to configure it. I I was like, as soon as, for me, it was traffic engineering. As soon as I had to build traffic, a real network using real traffic engineering, I was like, I can't hide anymore. I I gotta know how it really works. So, So my question is, What uh, if there was a degree and some school said, all right, we're going to invest in this, we're going to do this. What would you teach network engineers that they're not already getting? And and I think it's a great idea. I'm I'm sounding contrary, but I'm not like, what are the what are the um, the things that you would teach them, the concepts that that they would learn in in such a setting?
1: Well, well, let's back up, actually. Rick has this thing here about the difference between university and community college. Maybe that's a good lead in to talk about like what it should look like, like what is there now? And then let's talk about what it should look
0: like. I I think the simple answer to your question, Tom, is yes. (laughs) You know, should that be included? Oh, yeah. Is that good? Yeah. I mean, it's all really good. And that's, you know, when I started teaching at UC Santa Cruz, I was brought in by uh, Brad Smith, a friend of mine. And he was somebody that's, you know, I've, I've been involved with the university for many years prior to this, in that we've shared curriculum back and forth and, collaborated on some things, but he wanted to bring together both the theory and the real world. You know, and I think that's that's exactly what we need to do is first of all, I, I think on the academic side of things, we have, have to look at, hey, there's a need for the practical that implementing this stuff isn't just, uh, you know, you're not just installing a printer, which is not my forte anyway. You know, that's not what these what we do. I mean, it's, I think there's a stigma around IT at the university level that it's like woodshop. It's for somebody that can't cut it in programming, so let's have them build a network. And, and I'm overgeneralizing here, but I also know colleagues at many different schools that that's also kind of the case. They do, do not want the... Networking, IT, computer information systems people to be part of the, you know, the computer science department. Now that's not true at UC and, and 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 I'm at UC Santa Cruz and I'm I'm grateful for that. So it's it's, I think that's you know like Russ was saying. I think we got to look at kind of like what is being taught in both. Areas, what's important? Really, maybe what is? Where do we want them to get to? And what I look at is people like yourselves and another friends of mine. I want my students to be like them. How do we get to be like Russ, Tom, and 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 others? How do I get them there?
2: I I think one of the great opportunities I think we have uh, that I just thought of while you're while you're saying that I. With networking, especially, you have the opportunity to experience um, the theory that you've learned you, it, because just because of the way this works, you have an appliance that you configure and you make you, you can observe certain behaviors. You can immediately apply any theory that you learn in networking on on a set of uh, a set of equipment. Like to me, like that is that's the best kind of learning when I can t- take this theory, make something happen in the real world. It makes the whole thing work, and, I, and I'm sure other disciplines had this opportunity too. But I, I just would love a, a class where you could go and learn about Dijkstra. and then you know, in the same very same class, go configure OSPF, and you know, why did it, why is it thinking like that? And then it branches out into other things you can understand.
0: Yeah, that's it. Drives me kind of in a good way crazy because from my UCSC, I'm like advocating for hey, I got to bring in all the practical side of things too. And then when I'm at Cabrillo, I'm advocating for all the theory, the algorithms. I want to show them bikester and that. So, and and I'll say from the student point of view, they want it. They want both. I mean, the the each group of students is envious of the other, and 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 that can be you know some people may think that's kind of normal for a community college student to be maybe envious of a university. And maybe envy isn't the right word, but you know, my UC students. They always, I always hear, you know, I tell them, oh, you know, I cover more of that. I can I talk more about that in my Cabrillo class on, you know, routing protocols or whatever we cover, you know, I don't cover ISIS here, but in my other class, I they're always talking how come we don't have that here? How come we can't add it here? And partly is that, you know, you do, we, you know, getting back to, we need to structure a degree around this because, trying to fit all that into existing degrees, the students are taking, you know, you know, I I think like two or three quarters of physics, um, you know, and and algorithm, you know, and it's all good stuff, but, you know, they they, they won't get out in four years.
1: If I were to lay out where I would start, it wouldn't be with a bachelor's, it would be a master's. I would start with people who have a CS, bachelor's. And then I would give them a master's in network engineering. And I think I would lay out courses like network algorithms. But like you said, Tom, I don't want to just talk about how Dijkstra works. I want, I just don't want to code it. I actually want to go find an emulator, build a network and then say, all right, are you, you know, side by side, here's the code or the pseudocode. Here's the, here's the network. Let's look at these two things and understand what's actually happening stepwise through the process of running Dijkstra in this network. So network algorithms in that sense, another course might be, or might even be included in that course, might be topologies, common topologies, what's good with them, what's bad with them, how do network protocols, and the way I would approach that is, how does a a routing protocol converge on every kind of topology? because there's really only about three or four topologies in the world. They're just all combined pieces of those, right? I mean, you just have rings, you have spine and leaf, you have, you know, partial mesh, full mesh. I mean, how many topologies do you really actually have? And if you look at something like a Tesseract or a Hypercube, it's really just four rings interconnected. So, so, So if you understand how a ring converges... Then you can kind of start figuring out like, well, if I have four of these rings connected together, then that ring is going to converge at this and I can start type stepwise understanding how this thing is going to converge. So I might add that in there. I think I would want a course someplace on application development so that network engineers understand what an application is and what it looks like. Now, they may get that out of a BS degree, however, so maybe you don't need that. Architecture and design. How you do abstraction. Right What are the trade-offs in abstraction? What are the mental models like keyes law, the first corollary to Kees law, the law of, of, an, of um, leaky abstractions, um, the arena model, the, 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 the um, ISO model. All of these things, you need to understand these things to get, through, to get through life. And I would actually want a course on business. Like, how do I convince my managers that the network is strategic rather than tactical? What, what do I do with this? How do I look at vendor solutions versus open source solutions and understand them from the perspective of return on, you know, return on investment, ROI? Maybe even something on troubleshooting and problem solving and security, right? How do I look at supply chain security? Transport and encryption. See, I bundle those together in my head all the time because for me, encryption is primarily a transport problem. And we don't typically think of it that way, but that's, that's typically what it is in our world. It's not data at rest, it's data on the fly. And so, I mean, and I would probably put privacy and security in there someplace in the transport and encryption or something like that. But that's kind of the general areas I would hit. I mean, I don't know. I just outlined something that nobody will ever do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it probably has too many courses for a master's program, but. Well, the, the, the problem that, I feel like I've had like efficiency wise, just in my career, because there was no degree for this, you just sort of have to learn it on your own time. And if you're working in a job and especially as you become more senior, there, there is increasingly less time to do anything. And so like, really, I I've had to back into a lot of this stuff. Like I was saying, I, I have to build a traffic engineering backbone now. Okay. I guess I got to learn how this stuff, this actually works. Like, but I had to do that in the evening. Now I just understood that that was the price to pay and I, and I paid it gladly. And I'm glad I did, but it's after a while, you start to see the patterns of, oh, there's really only three topologies, like these little building blocks. What would happen to uh, people in their professions if they could get those little building blocks before they start their career, rather than the midpoint or that, like, if you could understand that frame relay is just like MPLS, is just like ATM, is just like, if you could get that early, what kinds of things could you do with your career? Now you have 30, 40 years to apply those lessons instead of like 10 at the end after you've learned them all the hard way. I don't know, it's just... Uh, I, I no, just...
1: it's, it's absolutely true. I don't know what to, you know, I mean, I want to hear what Rick has to say about this, because Rick, Rick is
0: <laughs> yeah. Rick be going and... to bat for us. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you want to learn this stuff, just offer to teach a course in it. And that that there you go. You'll have no choice. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I when my students what I took in college and how pretty much everything I teach now, just none of it existed before, uh, until after I graduated, which uh, they find. Well. And,
1: and by the way, it's not easy for us in the profession to find places that will let us teach. I'm just being honest. I mean, I, I have, I was adjuncting at NC State. I've moved to Knoxville. I'm trying to find my way into UT to see if I can find somebody who's interested in having me come in as an adjunct and I'm perfectly happy doing adjunct professor stuff, but it's very hard to find a college who wants you to teach anything beyond this is TCPIP. And by the way, going Mm -hmm. back to your degree, right? You pointed out that there is a bachelor's degree in network engineering, that's networking and security, which you walk out of with the CCNA. All right. I don't want to be mean or anything, but that just seems all wrong to me. Yeah. You're in school for four years and you walk out with a CCNA. I mean,
2: really you should have more than that, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's that's the difficulty of this. I mean, you get, I mean, I could just hear the you know colleagues at the university just 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 cringing right now thinking of that, uh, <laughs> and, and, and especially if you're going to put the. You know, bachelor of science in front of that, and a word engineering anywhere around that. You know right. that, you know. Um, probably like m- most people my age and before me, you know, I would learned TCP/IP. I learned you know reading uh, Stephen's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is another
1: programming book, by the way.
0: Yes, yes, and, and you know, and that you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, as much as I love the and Ross, I still pull from it it's, it's dense. I mean, it doesn't, you know, and this is by no criticism of the authors or the book, it's a wonderful book, but I can also see, it's not the book for the, to motivate students about, Oh, you're interested in the world of networking and what networks do. Here we go. It's a coding book basically for networking.
1: It is exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and, And I do. I mean, like, okay, so to give you a contrast to that, my BSIT from Capella University, when they had it, at the time I was a CCIE. When I went into the program, I was a CCIE already. So for those of you who care, I'm 2635, and I've had my CCIE (laughs) since 97, 98. I don't remember the exact year. I have to look at my certificate. And yeah, when I took it, we were still using 60-pin cables, and one of the things they did to break the network was to push pins in so they wouldn't fully connect. So when you wired everything up, they would take a broken 60-pin cable that looked perfectly fine. Because you don't have to push the cable in. You don't have to push the pin in about an eighth of an inch to make it fail to make contact. If you know which one to push in, you can break the timing on the circuit. And it's very, very difficult to troubleshoot. And by the way, the other troubleshooting problem I got was I had set my terminal system server up and it was all 2501s. So um, most of the rack was all 2501s and AGS plus, by the way. And the, another troubleshooting thing they did was to change the ROM jumpers on the 25 on the AGS Plus so it wouldn't boot correctly, right? So that was another part of my troubleshooting. And this is how old the CCA was. <laughs> but but what the Proctor did was they changed all my two five, I had named all my routers on my terminal server, two five zero one A, two five zero one B. He changed them all to two five zero lowercase L, A, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, that was that was cruel. That's dirty, that's
0: <laughs> that's, dirty. Just,
1: it was just cruel. But when I went to capella, that CCIE was worth. I could I could opt out of two classes in in the in the master's program.
2: <laughs> the university didn't understand, is what you're saying?
1: No, no, no. I, the university was serious about teaching things, communication skills and stuff that oh. were beyond just a CCA. Yeah, on the other hand, here we have a bachelor's degree in IT, a BSIT that you walk out with a CCNA. Like, I don't know, something just this whole thing just feels like I
0: don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a little dis. Everything's a little disjointed, and it's yeah. probably with the certifications, you know, trying to mesh kind of real-world IT with the theory and concepts from academia, that's difficult enough. But then when you throw in industry vendor certifications, that can be kind of a carrot in some ways, but it can also mess you up. First of all, the universities don't like tying themselves to vendors, especially anything to do with vendor curriculum and certifications. That goes back to, it's looking like a woodshop class. So they don't want and really anything to do with that. Although some some might, I'm not you know I'm not saying that it's true for everyone, but I think for your typical computer science, computer engineering university program at a university, yeah, they they want nothing to do with the vendor certs and 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 I can also understand part of that. You look at the new CC, the the latest CCNP certification. The way that, you know, there was a time when CCNP, you had one certain course on routing protocols, another one on multi-layer switching, another one on troubleshooting. Now you basically have to go through your CCNA, and then there's a gap, they don't even cover everything, and then you have to go through, I think, all two or at least, at least two, if not all three certification courses to get the rest of routing. So they just kind of dribble it through these courses. And, and pedagogically, that's not going to work. What student wants to take three, four classes just to get what they need to about routing protocols? Yeah. So what's
2: what's the, I'm going to sound like I'm a devil's advocate here. I'm really not. But like, what is, and, and I've benefited from vendor certifications myself, but why why can't the industry just say, all right, fine. The vendors are really close to this. We'll just let them handle this with vendor certification programs. What is what is missing there?
0: Uh, from the you know, from the academic standpoint, why don't they just do everything with this? Hey, let's go with certs. Right. So, so right. Else? So,
1: why even bother right. with a bachelor's degree? Why even right. by building yeah, it, one?
0: Well, because I think it's it's based on the on the vendor's business model. I think they're going to maybe create a certification that maybe they want they you know they want more people getting that cert not, not and and these certs are geared towards people that work in industry uh taking courses uh kind of continuous education that sort of thing so if for example take you know CCNA CCNP you can dribble routing protocols and some other things over two three four five courses that's not going to work in 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 academia they just don't you don't have that kind of that first of all probably not the best way pedagogically to teach it anyway it's students have too many other courses they need to take to be taking six courses on just to get get everything they need to do with routing yeah so so
1: i think i have a i have two answers to that Tom, as well i think i have two answers that are going to complement what rick has just said the first is many people don't realize this but the CCIE and most certifications, well, the CCIE did not start out this way. It started out as a Cisco TAC certification, primarily to, to be a gate to senior engineers in the TAC. That's actually what it started out as. If you had somebody calling the phone who had their CCIE, you knew they had a clue. And therefore you could put them directly to a senior engineer and you knew they had done a certain amount of work on the problem. I don't know if that's true or not any longer, but that's the way it started. But the CCIE rapidly, as well as all other certifications, have rapidly turned into mindshare marketing tools. And that's what they are. If you walk into a company as a salesperson, the most happiest day of your life is to walk into a large company and see everybody in their networking department has a particular vendor certification or your worst day, depending on whether it's your certification, (laughs) right? I'm just saying, and that's just the truth of it. It's a mindshare thing. And a lot of vendors who are doing certifications still don't even get this, but some of them do. That this is not about, this is about, I'm going to get you caught up in knowing how to configure and use in my product line so that as time goes on, that's what you're comfortable with. And when you as a senior network engineer later on in life might be five years from now, might be 10 years from now, might be 20 years from now, are recommending product to your manager, you're going to recommend the vendor's product. Why? Because that's what you are familiar with. Not because you actually understand the protocols. That's just one of the jobs of a vendor certification. It just is. And a lot of people don't understand that. So it may not be the only job. And I've often argued people should get certifications because it's a it's a roadmap of technology that people who are smarter than you have laid out. It's a path you can take. Now, the same thing could be said of a degree, however. The other thing is I think certifications are very narrow. You're not going to learn algorithms on a certification, dude. You're just not. You know? You're not going to learn the OSI model. You're not going to learn the RENA model. You're not going to learn anything like that. You're really going to learn how to bring a network up and do a few things and look at show commands and understand how to troubleshoot something. And that's what you're going to get out of it. Nothing wrong with that knowledge, but it's just not complete as you become a senior engineer. So that's those are my answers.
0: I think that states it really well. I mean, it's a, it's, there's nothing bad with that knowledge. It's all good stuff but you're not complete. And I think it gets back to what, Tom, you're, one of your early questions was, what should they learn? And it's, yes, yeah. And it's, you know, what what does that look like is still kind of the uh, the challenge. But, you know, and the, the, the students want it. I mean, it, it's the interest in networking is still there at all levels. I have a class at UC Santa Cruz, which is, an introduction and networking class, and that I just got done teaching. And it's supposed to really be for mostly non-majors. And I have everybody from art students in there, a lot of economics, business students, but also a lot of computer science and CS uh, computer engineering students. Uh, just because basically, they just tell me, I, I just, you know, I'm doing all this coding and doing all this algorithms and learning all all this digital logic and circuits, but I have no idea how the network works. You know, and, and it's as, I know as someone a little older generation, you almost assume that young people, because they're so good at using the technology, they understand what is happening and they have, they don't.
1: Yeah, they don't at all, unfortunately. I encounter this all the time.
2: Rick, what does a, a college or university, what are they looking for when someone says, hey, we need a new degree program? Like, what do you have to prove to them to, to make this happen?
0: Wow. Uh, well, I think it depends on the, the level, whether community college, university, and probably the state and all this. But a lot of it comes down to money funding. Uh, I know at the community college level, you know, it's in, based on enrollments for the most part, the uh, community college system does a great job. I, you know, and I got to say, I, when I was younger, I wouldn't, didn't go to a community college. I went straight to university because I wanted that experience and kind of, and I'll admit, I thought community college was kind of, kind of, oh, you know, if you can't get into a university, but I will say you get great instruction at a community college. Uh, I think for the most part, and it's, I know our students do better coming from, a students do better starting at a community college before they go to UC. So community college is kind of enrollment based. Uh, UC, it's also kind of, that's a big part of it. One of the, I think, reasons why many computer science, computer engineering departments have not embraced information technology, network engineering, or want to do more is that they don't really need to. They have their, you know, they have enough going on with everything that's happening with AI and machine learning and and uh, just all the programming classes. And now everybody's supposed to take programming in the world. So, you know, their classes are full and uh, they're just kind of, you know, they don't. And, you know, we all teach what we know. So if you come, if you're in a computer science department and you've taught programming your whole life, you know, why would you, why bring in this other group or why would you get involved in anything like that? So yeah, it's a, it just kind of depends on, 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 the, on the school.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good question because I, I would actually like to know the answer to it because again, if we could find a place to do something like this, I'm certain there are a number of senior folks in the world who would be willing to build such a program, but I don't even know where to start sometimes.
0: Yeah. I just wonder who, you know, I, I mean, I've been kind of banging the drum here for 25 years and trying to get, you know, we've made some headway a little ways in some universities. Like, but it's it's you know the california community college system for example created this uh, something called a model curriculum which is basically hey this would be the first two years of a information technology degree emphasis networking whatever and here you go cal state universities you know, anybody want to run with this and do the next two years, and you get all these transfer students from all these community colleges in, in California, and nobody has picked it up. Uh, and this has been a probably been five, six, seven years now. Uh, there just doesn't seem the the interest at the university level to to do this, and and not that the need isn't there. I'm not saying everybody at the university. I mean, I'm sure if they had the resources and, you know, perhaps, but uh, I I, I'm, I struggle with how do we get this going? Do we, you know, who in industry, because we need somebody with a name more than Rick Graziani <laughs> to, uh, you know, maybe uh, Russ White or somebody, you know, that kind of uh Name recognition, but uh, I don't know, but seriously, maybe a group of, you know, do bring in NANOG, you know, can we, can, I I don't know. Not NANOG, but just
1: like a group of people who are interested in fixing, you know, trying to do something here, just to do it, you know, it's an interesting problem. And I mean, maybe one way forward is for us to propose a curriculum, build a curriculum put it together. I mean, the problem is you're putting your neck out. You're spending time doing something, building something that may never, may never be picked up by anybody, but.
0: Well, perhaps it was a consortium. Do you think Russ, Tom, of like maybe you need academia uh, both at the community college and at the university level, but you also need uh, industry involvement too. I don't mean certification industry, but you know, industry, you know, they, they, that's one thing that both community colleges and, and the universities listen to is industry.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, I think the attitude among the big hyperscalers and such is that they don't want people with certifications and they may not want people with degrees. There, there's like an almost an anti, oh, you're educated in network engineering? We don't want you to be a network engineer. It's, it's, almost, it's kind of a strange
2: my answer to that would be I don't want to work for a hyperscaler. So good, match made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. So Rick, were you real quick, you were saying that you um have been an adjunct professor before, right? Are you currently? Well, I teach
0: full time at Cabrillo College. I've been there huh. for, for oh my gosh, 28 years. Uh, then I teach adjunct for and I'm currently been at University of California, Santa Cruz. And then off and on, when needed, um, you know, when usually somebody cancels a, you know, leaves the college or something, I get called from maybe one of the state universities to teach a course, and I have a try. I have problems saying no. Uh, so uh, <laughs> mm. you know, I'm, I'm always worried if I say no, one of these they're going to stop calling me. So and, mm. and I, I, uh,
1: I have the same problem, by the way. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, you know and my, I always wonder first, why are they calling me to begin with? I, you know, I'd like them, um, you know, the imposter syndrome. I've been feeling like an imposter now for, for 30 years, but you know, so far they haven't fit. Nobody's figured it out. So the,
2: the reason I ask, I, um, like my adjunct professors that I had in college, I loved them. I thought they were awesome. And the, you know, the perspective they brought a little bit different situation. My adjuncts were people who worked full-time, uh, in the industry and then came to teach, but, that's an an aspect of this that I think you know we're talking about consortia and getting yeah. that industry and and academia together. That's the the thing like the people who are doing it in the real world who understand. I agree. There's a, a ton of value to bringing that to the classroom.
0: Well, that's how I got in at Cabrillo. I was teaching adjunct, uh, because oh, I was working in the in the in in the industry, and I think that's a great that's a huge plus. I mean. Uh, I think we you always need adjuncts in your department because they bring in that real world, and we look for them uh, bringing in adjuncts. And uh, both, I know, I'm sure UC and Cabrillo, you know, they want people with different perspectives, especially people that are working in the real world.
1: That's cool. Well, we've been banging at this for a long time. <laughs> Maybe we ought to wrap up. <laughs> Although I did think of another side effect that I just want to point out because we don't have degree programs. A lot of colleges want PhDs in the area in which you're going to teach. It's not always true. Some are open to alternate PhDs. I have a PhD in philosophy, but because of my background in IT, colleges seem to be willing to take me on sometimes as an adjunct or you know whatever. But not having a PhD program, not having these kinds of programs actually hurts. Build the teachers that we need to roll back into the system as well. And that's, that's a very difficult problem to surmount, honestly.
0: And just to tag on to that, it's the same issue for us as students. We lose students that really are interested in networking, network engineering in this field. But because there isn't a four-year degree option. And they want to get that four-year degree. They go into either computer science or something else, business or whatever. But their real interest would be networking. Had there, if there was a four-year degree option. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. We're losing
0: some of our best students in the field because which is it.
1: which is really sad, honestly. Because yeah. because I know everybody thinks that AI is going to take over and the cloud is going to take over and we're not going to need network engineers any longer, but. I, I'm afraid to tell you, but I just don't believe that's going to happen in the long run.
0: Yeah. Tell, tell Facebook that.
1: Yeah. Well, telling the average enterprise, even who've pushed everything to the cloud. And then when the cloud goes down for a couple of hours, they go, oh, mm, mm. maybe that wasn't <laughs> such a good idea. <laughs> maybe we do need our own network. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, Rick, can people find you or follow you any place? I don't think you blog or anything, but I think you're on Twitter or...
0: Yeah, I can, don't do much on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, MySpace, Friends, no. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw an article the other day arguing that MySpace was the peak of social media. And it's all <laughs> been downhill since then. <laughs> I can't argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) It was
0: an interesting argument.
1: (laughs) So you don't do much on Twitter, but people can DM you. You're on LinkedIn.
0: You know, I don't post much. I don't, you know, uh, but LinkedIn is probably the best place to get me.
1: All right, cool. And Tom, Tom, whose last name is NoBlog.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Go, hit me with it. I I got an answer for you. Hit me. Come on. Where is it? Where is it? Where's I'm your blog? Too, here's the thing. I'm too busy doing real work, Chris. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to change the world without work? a blog.
0: I you said that, Tom. <laughs> oh
1: wow,
2: man, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> but Twitter? Where are you on Twitter and LinkedIn? I'm Twitter and LinkedIn. Search for Tom Emmer, and then probably the one you'll find. Okay, probably. <laughs> Close enough.
1: <laughs> Close enough. He's not the rapper.
2: No, no, I'm not a rapper or an actor. There's an actor named Tom Hammond. Oh, is not. there? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. All right. And I'm Russ White. You can find me here on the hedge at rule11.tech on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. So just look me up. Just don't DM me on Twitter because I generally really don't log into Twitter to check DMs. It's just a thing. Just time. See, instead of checking my DMs on Twitter,
2: I blog. Nice. Acceptable trade-off. <laughs> it's okay.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hedge. And thanks, Rick, for coming on. And we will catch you next time. Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.